Shas Illuminated presents the following shir by Rabbi Moshe Dun Kestenbaum. Meseches Ksubis has been dedicated by Mr. and Mrs. Shlomo Naiman, Le'ilo Nishmas, Rav Yaakov ben Matis Yehozatzal, and Chaya Bas Pesach. Today's daf is Kuftes, but we are a little bit behind. So we will begin with Kufches Amid Beis, and Mirz Hashem will catch up. The Mishnah on the top of Kufches Amid Beis begins bringing the different arguments that we have between Admain and the Rabbanan. And the Mishnah says, Admain Aymer Shiva, Admain says seven things. And the first one the Mishnah brings is, Misha Meis, somebody who dies, Veniach Banam Ubanais, and he leaves over sons and daughters, Bizman Shanachasim Merubin, if there are a lot of Nachasim, Habanim Yarshim, Vabanais Nizainais. The children are able to inherit, and the daughters are able to be fed from the property. However, if the nechassim are only few, so then the daughters will still be fed. However, the sons will not be able to take Yerusha, and they will have to go knocking on the doors, collecting to feed themselves. Admin says, because I'm a male, I should lose out. As the Gemara says, the Gemara explains that Admon is saying that because I'm a male and I'm fit to get Yerusha, if there are a lot of Nachasim, I should be completely left out from Nachasim Watim that I have to go collecting. That's not fair. Now the Pasha says that Admon is arguing on the sheet of the Rabbanan. But the question is, what exactly does Admon hope the Rashbam in Balabasra and Kuflam and Tess Amabes understands that according to Admon, the boys and girls should be equal. That the boys and the girls should get from the Nechassim to be able to feed themselves. And when everything runs out, both of them will be in a position that they will have to be Machser al Absachim, that they'll have to collect money, they'll have to collect food for themselves. And Admon is just arguing that it's not fair, you just give the girls now right away, put away for them, and the boys have to go collecting right away. However, the Me'iri over there argues on the Rashbam. The Me'iri says differently. The Me'iri says that according to Admon, the, the sons are able to take the Nechassim as the Arusha, as an inheritance, and the girls are the ones that have to go collecting right away. And Amon is saying that since uh, Zachar, since a, a male always gets Yerusha, just because there's not so much property, I should be denied from Yerusha. And he's saying that the sons take Yerusha and the girls will be the ones that will have to collect right away. We have a third sheet over here. Tysus over here, B'Shem Rabbeinatam, says that Admon is not arguing at all on the Chachamim. Admon is just asking a question. He's saying it's a Chiddush, this Halacha, B'Shvil Shani Zacher, Sarati, just because I'm a Zacher, I should lose. He's being Matmiya on the Halacha, but he's not really arguing Ladina. He's not saying La Halacha, things should be differently. And according to this, Ragamliel as well, is just agreeing with Admon's question. He is not arguing lahalacha.
What is Taisus Hechrich to say this Pshat, which is definitely not the Pashup Pshat in the Mishnah? Taisus is Hechrich is because Lahalacha, Taisus brings many Rayas that we paskin like the Chachamim. We do not paskin like Admain's Shita in the Mishnah. We paskin that in a case where they're Nechasimu Atim, the Banais Nizaino, the the daughters are fed, and the sons have to go collecting. And the problem is that the Gemara later on, on Dafkov Tesem and Aleph says, that that any place that Gamliel agrees with Admain, Halacha Kamaisa, we paskin like Admain. So, how is it that our Gemara later on, on Dafkov Tes says, that we hold like Admain every time Rabbi Gamliel confers, agrees to what he says. And yet we see in other places that in regards to our Mishnah, by the case of Nechas Muatim, that we do not paskin like Admain, even though Rabbi Gamliel says, Rayani Estivri Admain. So Machmas this, Taisus explains that Admain is not really arguing Lahalacha Ladina, and therefore there's no stira to the Gemara later on on Kuftes. The Ritva, however, in our sugya, says, not like Rabbi Natan, and he says that Avada Admain is arguing, and he bavarns that even though the Gemara later on says that Kol Makai Sha'amar Gamliel Rayani Yisdevi Admain Halacha Kamaisai, so the Ritva says there are exceptions. Every rule has an exception, and he brings the Gemara in Eirvin that says, Ein saimchan ala klalais, we don't rely on a rule, on a generalization. Even if the generalization has a specific exception attached to it. Meaning, if the Gemara will say, we paskin like a certain opinion, except for a certain place, there is allowed to be another exception. So even if the klal specified an exception, there still could be another exception beyond that. So, he says that even though our Gemara says that we pass him like Admon every time Ragamil agrees to him, there could be an exception, and our Mishnah is an exception to that. Now, let's spend some time explaining and going into the cases and the halachas of our Mishnah. The Mishnah said that in a case where it's Nechasim or Rubim, there's a lot of Nechasim. So then the Banan can take Yerusha, and the Banais are fed. However, if it's the Chasim Muatim, so then Abanais Yuzainu, Vabanim Yachsiru Alapsachim. What does it mean, the Chasim Muatim, versus the Chasim Arubim? What's considered only a small amount of property that in such a case the daughters take for Mizainais and the sons have to go collecting? So Rashi writes over here, that the Gemara in Baba Basra explains that Nechasim means that there's not enough for Parnasas Shnei Masar Chaydash. Not enough to take care of them for 12 months. L'zcharim Ulanakevais. There's not enough sustenance, there's not enough money to take care of them for 12 months for both the boys and the girls. So if there's less than that amount, so then the Allah is the daughters take and the banim are chayzim al The Taisis Yantif over here on the Mishnah is Medayik, the Lashon of Rashi, 
who says Parnasas Shnei Chodesh, which means the support of 12 months, rather than the Lashen of the Gemara and Baba Basra on Kuflamit test that uses the Lashen of Kedeshi Yezainu Mehen Shnei Masachodesh, that they should be fed for 12 months, that Rashi understands, like the Nemukiyosef Shita over there, that we're not just talking about food, the Zainais, for 12 months, or, as we'll say later, until they become a Bulgaris. We're not just talking about food, but we're also talking about clothing. And this is against Taisa Shita in Baba Basra over there, that Taisa's holds that it's Dafka Mizainais, or Dafka talking about food. Another Ha'ara on Rashi is Rashi gives the shear of 12 months. However, if we look at the Gemara Baba Basra over there on Kuflamitasim Abbas, the Gemara brings down a machlaikas between the Chachamim and Reven Gamliel. The Regamliel holds 12 months, but the Chachamim hold, who we paskin like, is Kedeshi Yazainu Mehen Eilavelo Ache Yabagru. That you need the amount of Mezainais, or according to Rashi and Muki Yosef, clothing is included as well, is until they become a uh, Bagaris. So Pnei Yeshua and Beis Yaakov ask that why does Rashi give the shear over here of Ergam Liel when the Chacham hold the Wipaskin like that the shear is until they become a Bagaris. So they both give one, one of the Terutzim they give is that since our Mishnah says at the end, Amar Rebbe Gamliel, So since we have Gamliel's input at the end of the Mishnah, so Rashi wanted to explain the beginning of the Mishnah along the Shita of Rebbe Gamliel, who learns that Nechasim Uatim is the amount that they could be supported for 12 months. We mentioned that the Shita of the Chachamim, that we paskin like, is that the definition of Nechasim Atim is that there's not enough Mezainais, or according to Rashi and Muki Yosef, for clothing as well, there's not enough for the sons and the daughters until the time when the girls become Baigrais. Why the time of Baigares? Because we learned earlier on Dafnun Gimel Amabez that the sons are obligated to feed the daughters, the girls are able to collect Mezainais only until the time that they are by Geras, unless they get married, which in that case they would lose the Mezainais then. But the latest possible time they can get Mezainais to is until they are by Grace. So Mimela, the shear is that time. Let us explain this halacha. The way it works is as follows. Let's say the boys need $500 till the time of Bagris of the girls, and the girls as well also need $500. So if there's $1,000 of Nechasim or more, so then we don't get involved. Because then, since there's enough for all of them, we leave the Nechasim by the sons, and the girls are able to collect from the Nechasim, and we're not, we don't have any concern since there's enough for all of them. However, the Rishayim and Baba Basra explain that if there's less than $1,000, let's say there's $750, so then there's not enough for both of them, 
So then if we just allow it to stay by the sons without any intervention, so then the sons could end up taking in to the girls, Mizainai is what the girls need. And therefore, Bezin has to get involved. And the Gemara explains in Bab Basra, in the end of Kuflam and Tassam at base, that there's no reason for Bezin to have to take all $750 worth of Nechassim for the girls, because the girls only need $500 worth of Nechassim. So Gemara explains that you just separate $500 worth of the Nechassim for the girls till they become Bulgaris, and the other two fifty stays by the sons. So, according to this, what does the Mishnah mean? That the sons have to go knocking on the doors. Why do they have to knock on the doors right away? They have some money. They have, let's say in our case, $250 left to eat from. So Rashbam says over there on top of Kuf Mem, that in Achanami, the Mishnah just means that when they run out, when they run out of the money, because they only have $250 worth, so then at that point, they're going to have to go collecting, banging on doors. But the $500 we put away for the girls, and we give it over to Bezdin, or in the hands of an Apetropis, as the Shulchan Aruch Paskins in Evan Ezer, Kuf Yud Bez, Yud Aleph. This is the Mahalech of the Rush in Babas over there, the Ridva, and Kemat, all the Rishainim, that when there's Nechasim Merubim, when there's enough Nechasim for all the children, then Bezin does not get involved. If there's only Nechasim Muatim, then Bezin separates what the girls will need. However, we do have the sheet of the Rashbam in Baba Basra Kuf Aleph, and the Bach brings it in the Evan Ezer Kuf Yud Beis Ice Yud, that the Rashbam holds that there is no fundamental difference between Nechasim Mu'atim or Merubim, and the Rashbam is Mavur that even if there's a lot of Nechasim, Bezdin still sets aside the amount that the girls will need until they become Baigrais. Bezdin sets that aside. And according to the Rashbam, the only real difference between Nechasim, Mu'atim, and Rubim is just practically speaking, what the Mishnah is saying is that by Nechasim, Mu'atim, the children are going to have to collect. By Nechasim, Merubim, they're not going to have to collect because they have what to live on. But fundamentally, there is no difference between them. However, according to these Rishayim that we mentioned before, there's a fundamental difference. By Nechasim and Rubim, Bezdin does not separate what the girls need because we're not concerned unless, like the Rush writes over there, if we see the children are spending frivolously, then Bezdin will get involved. But otherwise, we're not concerned. It's only by Nechasim Mu'atim there Bezdin gets involved to separate Nechasim that the girls will need to live off from. And like we said, it's under the jurisdiction of Bezin or in Apitrapis. I will point out that Taisis over there in Babasra on Kufmem Amad Aleph, according to where the Rishash learns Taisvis, not like the Marsha over there, the the way the Rishash learns Taisvis, and that's the Pashas of Taisis over there, is that Taisis also holds there is no fundamental difference between Nechasim Muatim and Nechasim Merubim al Darach the Rashbam's Shita. 
Just one final ara over here. The Rif and the Rush both write that this halacha, that by Nechasim Mu'atim, the girls are Yuzainu and the Banim have to be Yeshala Lapsachim, only applies by Karka, by land. Because Me'ikar Adin, Medina de Gemara, the Allah of girls collecting from their father's estate only is from Karka, is only from land. However, they are not entitled to collect from Metaltalim, from movable objects. Only Mitakanas Ga'inim, after the Gemara, the Ga'inim made a Takana that girls are able to collect even from Metaltalim. And since it's only Mitakanas Ga'inim, they write that it's not logical that the girls should be stronger than the sons, than the boys. And in such a case, if there's metatalim, so then the boys and girls will equally be able to take mezainais from the nechasim. And this is the way the Shulchan Aruch Paskins in Evan Ezra Kuf Yud Beis, Yud Beis. We will now move further to the next sugya. The next Mishnah brings down second machlekes between Admain and the Chachamim by someone who is tying from his friend. He demands from his friend that he owes him pitchers of oil, Kadei Shemen, and the other person admits, Bekan Kanim. He admits that he owes him the actual jugs, but not the oil that is inside of them. He only owes them the jugs themselves. So we have a Machlaikis. Adman says that it's considered a Maidav and Mixas, and he has to swear that he doesn't owe him the oil. And the Chum say that's not considered a Maidav and Mixas. And Rabbi Gamliel says, I agree to the words of Admai. And the Gemara goes through and ends up explaining the Machlekes between Admai and the Chachamim comes down to the following. Admai holds that when the person demanded the Kadei Shemen, he wasn't just demanding the oil, he was also demanding the barrels themselves. And since he was demanding both the barrels and oil, and the person admitted to the barrels, therefore it's considered a maida b'miksas. And the Gemara says that that would go, that would work according to the opinion of Shmuel, that if somebody demands from his friend wheat and barley, and he admits to one of them, it is considered a maida b'miksas. So in our mission as well, he's demanding the oil and the barrels according to Admain, and the person's admission to the barrels would be considered a maida b'miksas. And the Gemara says, what about according to the opinion of Reb Bar Abba that holds that if one demands wheat and barley from his friend and he admits to one of them, it's not considered maida b'miksas because since he's not admitting from part of the actual object that was claimed, he wasn't admitting to part of the wheat or part of the barley, he was just admitting to one of the two, that's not enough to be considered Maidav and Miksas. So then how does he explain our Mishnah? So the Gemara explains that according to him, we're talking about where the person said that he has five of the ten barrels that were demanded from him. And since he's admitting to five of the ten barrels, it's a Maidav and Miksas, and he's Chayav Ashvua on the barrels, and then he would be a Chayav Ashvua on the oil with the concept of Gilgal Shvua. And that's according to Admain, that when the person is asks for the Kadei Shemen, he means to ask for the barrels as well. 
But once again, according to the Chachamim that hold that he's only asking for the oil, he's not demanding the barrels themselves. So then there's no mode of a mixas because he, the person demanding him is demanding the only oil and he's admitting only barrels. And therefore, it would not be a case of maida b'mixas. There's an obvious kasha on our Mishnah, now that we understand the Mishnah, there's an obvious kasha to be asked. And Tysus asks the beautiful kasha in Shvuas on Daf Mem Amad Aleph. The Mishnah says, the Gamliel says, that I agree to the words of Admai, which means that I agree to words of Admai, that the person is demanding barrels as well, not only the oil, and therefore it's considered a Maidav Mixas when the person admits to owing the barrels. The problem is that Ragamliel would not have to come on to this altogether because Ragamliel's shita over there in Shvuas is that even in a case where a person demanded wheat and the other person admitted barley, a completely different object than he was asked of, nonetheless Ragamliel holds that since he has meaning to, to owing part of the value, part of the money he has admitting to owe, for example, the person demanded wheat, which is worth $100, and now he's admitting to that amount in barley, which is worth less, which is $50, that's enough to be considered a might of a mixas. So how could Ragamliel say, that agreed to the words of Admai, that since the person means to demand barrels, as well as the oil, it's might of a mixas. Even if he wasn't demanding the barrels, even if he was only demanding oil, he would still be chayv ashvua on the oil, because... You don't need Miminataina. Still considered Maida bin Miksa. Taisa's answers the Enachinami. For this case of our Mishnah, Rabbi Gamliel would not need to come on to Admain's Chiddush that when the person's demanding Kadei Shemen, he is demanding the actual barrels as well, not just the amount of oil. Because according to Rabbi Gamliel, even if the person was not demanding the barrels, he was only demanding the oil, and the other person admitted to barrels, there would still be a chiv shvua because tanochitim v'haydilay b'sarim, according to Gamliel, is chayv shvua. However, there would be an afkemina from this chiddush of Admain, that the, when the person demands kadesh he's including the barrels. In another case, Zaktaisis, let's say the person said, you owe me 10 Kadei Shemen, and the other person answered back, no, it's not 10, I owe you 5 Kadei Shemen, which is a classic case of Maidev Mixas. Now, this would be Nagea still, the Machlaikis Admai and the Chachamim. According to the Chachamim, the person would only have to pay, based on his own admission, 5 measures of pitchers of oil. Because, according to the Chachamim, the Tviya, the Taina of Kadesh Shemen, is only going on the oil itself, not on the barrels. However, according to Admain Shita, the person would have to pay five pitchers of oil, including the pitchers, including the barrels themselves. He would also be chayv to give. And that's what Ragam Leo meant when he said, I agree to Admain that the Taina, the Tviya of Kadesh Shemen, includes the actual bearers themselves. But Eina Chanami, there is no nafkimina according to Gamliel for the case of our Mishnah itself. Rebbe Kiva Eger 
in Shvuas and Parak Vav, Mishnah Gimel, argues, asks on Taisvis's pshat, and he says that it's not mukrach that even Adman himself would hold in such a case that the person who admitted the five Kadeh Shemen would be chayiv to give the barrels as well. Because maybe Adman only said this halacha, that the barrels are included as a leniency, as a kayach of the taiveya, the one who's demanding the pitchers of oil, since he says that he is demanding both. He says afterwards he was demanding both. So therefore, we could use his tviya to mechaev shvua of maidev mixas. However, it's not 100% Zakri Kiveger that when the person tainus kadeh shemen, he meant the barrels themselves. And when the person admits, when you look at the person admitting, when he admits that he owes five Kadeh Shemen, Zakri Kiveger, perhaps even according to Admain, you cannot obligate him to give the actual barrels because he could say that he only meant the measures of oil. He did not mean the barrels themselves. Admain Shita is only to give Kayach to the Taiveya, to the one claiming, but would not obligate the one who admitted when I obligate the nitfa to pay the barrels. It's only in our case where the person admitted specifically that he owes him barrels that were mechaivim in the barrels. Rekiv Eger offers a different tarot to Taisis Kasha and says, another nafkamina we could have from this machlekes Anmain and the Chachamim that will be relevant even according to Gamliel. Rekiv Eger says, what happens if an empty barrel is worth the same amount as the actual oil in the barrel. So the person demanded 10 Kadeh Shemen, and let's say the other person admitted that he doesn't owe him oil, he just owes him 10 empty barrels. So now, as follows, according to the Chachamim that hold that when he demanded the Kadeh Shemen, he's just demanding oil, not the barrels. So when the person admits that he owes him 10 barrels, he is admitting that he owes him the same amount that the person is being Tavea, the person is demanding. So let's say they're both worth $100. So he pays the $100 and it's over. There's nothing for him to swear on. However, according to Admain Shita, the person was demanding oils and the barrels. So that's together $200. And then when the person admits and he says he only owes him barrels, 10 barrels, so then he's only admitting to $100, and I'll have a chi of shvua to swear on the oil on the other $100. And Rebbe Gamliel would agree in that case, Rebbe Gamliel saying, I hold like Admain, that there would be a chi of a shvua in, that, in such a case. The Agosa Shri over here in Simen Yud as well asks this kasha, and he gives a different taretz, and this taretz is very beautiful, because it gives us enough gemina in the case of our Mishnah itself, without having to go to another case. And he says as follows. To give a little background, we mentioned before that according to Gamliel, if the person was Tavea Chitim and the other person was Maida Bisa'irim, Gamliel holds that he has to swear on the Chitim. However, the Shita of both Admain and the Chachamim in our Sagya, is that he is going to be potter. He would not have to swear on the chitim because the admission of the barley is not mimina taina. 
It's not from the claim that was made against them. The Gemara tells us in Babakama and Daflam Hamad Bays from Rabbi Bar Nasan that according to the Chachamim that hold that he is potter from a shvua on the wheat, he is also going to be potter from paying the barley altogether. If he admits to the barley, not only does he not have to swear on the wheat, he does not have to pay for the barley. And the way Tysus over there explains, other Rishayim as well, that since the person only demanded wheat and did not demand barley, that's like a haida, that's like an admission that the person does not owe him barley, and he only owes him wheat. What about according to Rogam Liel, who holds that he has to swear that he does not owe him wheat, even though the haida was not miminataina? So the Pashta says, as Tysus holds in his first tzad in Shvuas, the Rogamliel must hold that he is chayv to pay for the barley. Because if he's not chayv to pay for the barley, then it's schwer to consider it a haida. However, Tysus has a tzad over there, and this is the sheet of Tysus and Baba Kama, Lam and Hey, Amad Beis, that even according to Rogamliel, he does not have to pay for the sairim, he does not have to pay for the barley, because the other person is Michael by not being Tevea the barley, and it would still be considered enough of a haida that he's Chayavashvua on the wheat. So, according to this understanding, Zakta Gosashri, there's a very simple nafkamina that comes out, even according to Gamliel, in this machlaikis between Anmain and the Chachamim, whether when the person's Tevea the oil, the Kadesh Emen, whether he means to include the barrels as well. Why? Because according to the Chachamim that hold that the person's only being Tavea the oil, so when the other person admits the, the barrels, the Kankanim, so according to Gamliel, yes, he would have to swear on the oil. However, he would not have to pay for the barrels because since the person was only Tavea the oil, so Mimela is Michael, he's Maida that the person does not have to pay him for the barrels. And it's like the case of Tanachitim Bisairim. However, according to Admain, that holds that when the person's Taveya the Shemen, he means to be Taveya the barrels as well. So when the person's Maida on the barrels, he would have to pay for the barrels. So although Regamliel would hold that in either case, whether you hold like the Chachamim or Admain, he would have to swear on the oil. But the Nafkimina would come out whether he would have to pay for the barrels. And this works out beautifully that we have a Nafkimina from the very case of our Mishnah, different than Taisus Teretz over there in Shuas and Mikivegas Teretz, that we're coming on to a different case to find a Nafkimina. It's Takat Sarachian, that Taisus who holds like the Agos Ashri, that even according to Gamliel, you do not have to pay for the Sairim, you do not have to pay for the barley. Why Taisus did not? Give over this nafkamina. Moving forward to the bottom of Kufchas and the base, we come to the third machlaikas between Anmain and the Chachamim. And the case of the Mishnah is a someone who promises, he set, arranges a certain amount of money that he's going to give into the marriage. And then he backs out and he delays. He's not giving the money. 
So, we have a machlekes. What's the halacha? The case is that they had done Kedushin, Erisin, but before Nisuin, the father-in-law is refusing, or as we'll see, is not giving the, the money. So, according to the Chachamim, Teshev Achetab and Raisha, she should sit until her hair gets white, meaning we do not force the son-in-law to do anything. He can hold up until he gets the money. However, Admain Aymer Admain says, she could say, if I would have made up to give the money, so then it's understandable, it's fair that I should be punished. But now that my father set it up, it's not fair to me. What am I supposed to do? And therefore, either he has to marry her and go into the Nisuin without the money, or give her a get, but he cannot hold her up and make her wait, and make her suffer. Amrav Gamliel, Rayan Yesterday Admai, Gamliel says, I see the words of Admai, and again, we paskin here, like Admai, and it's Mavur in the Gemara, that according to our Mishnah, this is only in a case where the father-in-law set up to give her the money, because then she has a taina of, what, what did I do wrong? It wasn't my fault. However, if she herself promised to give the money, then even according to Advain, the halacha would be that Teshev Achetab and Raisha. And this is how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins and Evan Ezer Simon Nun Base. The question we will start with is what is the Lashon of the Mishnah Pasha Lai Esar Regel? Which literally means that the father in law stuck out his foot. So Rashi over here brings two pshatim. Pshat number one of Rashi is that he sticks out his foot and he's basically saying, take take the mud off my foot. It's a lashon of bezayin. He's telling the son-in-law, I'm not giving you anything. You can take the dirt off my foot, but I'm not giving you any money. And Rashi brings a second pshat that he sticks out his foot. He's basically telling him, hang me. Hang me upside down, turn me over. You're not going to get any money because I don't have any money to give you. It's mashma from Rashi very clearly that according to the first pshat, Pasha Leyasaregel, he is being telling the son-in-law, "I don't care about that which I promise you. You take the dirt off my foot, but I'm not giving you any money." So it's mashma he has money to give, but he's refusing to give the money. However, according to Rashi's second shot, the, the father-in-law does not have any money to give. As we will see in Mirtash, these two pshatim have nafkuminas ladina, nafkuminas lahalacha, how we're going to explain the Mishnah. Another pshat, the third pshat, the Shita brings in the name of the Ravid, who pashalosarego means the person literally Skip town. He stuck at his foot means he skipped town. He went away. And therefore, there's no way to get the money from him. He didn't leave any possessions behind and he ran away. And that's what the mission means. Pasha Lai Esaregel. The big question, the big Shiloh that the Rishonim discuss on this sugya is what exactly is going on over here? 
We learned earlier on Kufbez on the base, the Memra of Rav Gido Amarav. The Rav Gido Amarav says that if the Mechutanim have a discussion, how much you're going to give for your son, how much you're going to give for your daughter, the Amdu Vikachu, and they got up and they did the Kedushin, Kanu, there's a Kenyan, meaning they're obligated to give the money. Hain Hain Hadvarim Haniknim Bamira. Even though normally for someone to obligate himself, there has to be a Kenyan. Over here is a special halacha that when they do a Shidduch and they agree to marry off their children to each other, even just with Amir alone, even just with words, they are obligated to give the money and you could force, you could collect from each other. So the Shaila is that what's the whole discussion in our Mishnah? whether Teshev HaChetav Rosha, whether we can hold her up, or whether, according to Admine, he's mechayiv to either go ahead with the Nesuin and consummate the marriage, or get divorced. What's the Shaila? Why doesn't Bezdin just collect the Nechassim from the father-in-law, since he promised to give it? And we learned earlier that that's mechayivim, that's mishabidim, even just with Amira alone. So what's the whole Shiloh, what's the whole discussion over here? Just force him to give the money. The first Mahalich, simple Mahalich, to answer this question, is the Mahalich that we mentioned really from the Ravid before, that the Mishnah is talking about where he, he went away, and since he went away, and again, he didn't leave any Nechassim behind, so we're not able to collect. But Enachinami, if he's here, if we're able to collect, then the whole Machlaikis and the Mishnah would be irrelevant because Bezdin will just collect and give the son-in-law from his Nechassim against his will because he's obligated because of the din of Rav Gildo Amarav. On that same line, we could also explain the Mishnah according to Rashi's second shot in Pasha Leyes HaRegel that we're talking about where he doesn't have any money. And since he doesn't have any money, Bezdin has nothing to collect from. And this is how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, Shulchan Aruch brings down our halacha. The Shulchan Aruch writes over there in Ebenezer, Simon and Beis, that a paisit night, someone who establishes, commits to give money to his son-in-law, the halacha Medina Sacheres, and the father went away to a different country, skipped town, Aisha Einlo, or he doesn't have any money, doesn't have any possessions, so then, the girl is able to tell the husband, like, like Admine, like we Paskin like, that since it's not her fault, she's not the one that promised the money, so either he has to divorce her, or go ahead with the Nesuin without having collected the money. Taisvis over here brings a second shot, a second way we can learn the Mishnah to answer this question that Enachinami, the, fa- the father has property, but nonetheless, the son-in-law could say, I don't want to have to go to Bezin, I don't want the tircha of going to Bezin, and unless the father or the daughter comes forward with the money, I am not going to go ahead with the Nesuin. This shot of Taisvis, apparently the Ravid, the Ridva, the Ran, the other Rishayim, that don't explain this way, they explain that we're talking about where he went away, 
or he has no nechasim, they apparently held that this is not so mistaver because that's not a good enough excuse, that's good good enough claim to hold up the, the wife, to hold her up because he doesn't want the tircha of going to Bezdin. One final mahalich we will speak out is the Yisaitistik Ashita of the Rashbam that Tysus brings over here that the din of Rav Gidom Rav that hein hein advarim that the father is obligated to give the money and he can collect Bezin could force him to give from his possessions that's only in a case where they got married immediately after they made up this arrangement. However, if there was a hefsek, there was interruption of time, so then Rav Gidl did not talk, was not talking about that case, and in such a case, he could not bring the father-in-law to Bezdin, he would not be able to force him to follow through with his commitment, verbal commitment, unless there was actually a Kenyan of some sort. And according to the Rashbam, our Mishnah is talking about a case where there was interruption of time between when he was Paisik Mice, when he established how much he's going to give, and the actual Kedushin. I would like to point out something interesting we see that we see from the Rashbam, we see from Taisvis, that even though halakhically Bezdin cannot force the father in law to give, because it was only a verbal agreement, a verbal commitment. Nonetheless, that verbal commitment is enough that the son-in-law can say that he's not going to go ahead with the Nisuin until the father-in-law makes due on his word. And even the Rishayim that do not hold like the Rashbam, and they hold that the Allah of Rav Gidam Arav applies even if there is a hefsek between the time of the arrangement and the Kedushin, they don't ask on the Rashbam, they don't challenge the Rashbam's pshat in our Gemara, that how could the son-in-law hold up the Nisuin? There was no Kenyan, there was no Chiv, Bezdin cannot force him to pay the money, it was only a verbal agreement, according to the Rashbam. From the fact that Rishayim do not ask that on the Rashbam, it's mashma that they also held the site that even though there was no Kenyan, there was no Sheba, nonetheless, still, he, the son-in-law is able to hold her up, according to the Chachamim, and even according to Admain, it's only because she could say it's not her fault. However, like we mentioned before, in a case where she was the one that agreed to give the money, it's Mashma from the Rishayim, L'chaira, even though there was no Kenyan, even though she was not Meshavit herself with the Kenyan, nonetheless, he would be able to say, Eshev Achetav and Raisha. I will, I'm not, I'm not going to marry her until she gives the money. We see this as well from another Mahalich that Taisus brings, the Ridva brings, that the Yushalmi says that the Allah of Rav Gidom Arav only applies to a first marriage. There's a stronger sense of excitement and commitment by a first marriage. Then it's nicknamed by Amira, just with words. However, by a second marriage, then words alone cannot be Machai of him. You need a Kenyan. And our Mishnah, Tysus says possibly, could be talking about a second marriage. But once again, we see that the Rishayim hold that even if there was no Chiv 
in Bezdin, even though Bezdin cannot force the father-in-law to pay, nonetheless, since it was a verbal agreement, the son-in-law is able to hold up from the Nisuin. Before we move on to the next sugya, we'd just like to share with you a very Yusaitistika Ramah on the sugya. The Ramah is Evan Ezer, Simon and Bez, Sif Aleph. That the Ramah writes that when do we say, when does Admain say that the woman is able to say that it's not my fault, I wasn't a Kabbalah myself, and therefore you're not allowed to hold me up, Ikenais Ipitar. That's only the Ramah brings from the Shulti Gibayrim on the Rif. That's only in a case where she does not have her own money. But if she does have her own money to pay, to give what her father had accepted upon himself to give, she would be obligated to do so, and she would not be able to say in such a case, Kenais Aipitur, and he would be able to hold up the Nisuin. A Chiddush from the Shiltigi Barim, which the Ramah Paskins like. Another Ha'ara, another Halacha that the Ramah says over there, this one is also from the Shiltigi Barim, but the Shiltigi Barim on the Mordechai over here, that the Shiltigi Barim says that we said before that if she accepted upon herself to give the money, so then everyone agrees, according to our Mishnah, which is the Halacha, everyone agrees that the husband can hold up the Nesuin until she gives the money. However, Zakt, the Shiltigi Bayrim, that's only before Nesuin. If the husband did not do Nesuin, so we cannot force him to do Nesuin until the money is given over. However, if he went ahead with the Nesuin, then it will be usher for him, he will be forbidden to withhold his obligations of Sherksus and Aina until she gives him what she had promised. Rabbi Kiva Eger in Shalsachuvis, Madura Tinyana, Simon Samachai, explains this Ramah with a beautiful Svara. He explains that when it comes before Nisuin, so each side, each party was Machayev themselves. The father was Machayev to give the Nadunya before the Nisuin. And the husband is Machayev himself to go ahead with the Nisuin at the predetermined time. And when the father holds up from giving the Nadunya, so it's understood that the husband has the right to hold up from going through with the Nisuin. And the two Chiyuvim are intertwined and interconnected. However, once the husband does Nisuin already, so while the father certainly is a Baal Chayv, he still owes the son-in-law an Adunya, but nonetheless, that doesn't give the son-in-law a right to hold back from his Chiyuvim of Sherksus and Aina, the Chiyuvim of marriage, because those Chiyuvim of marriage are of no connection between the Chiyuv of the father-in-law. And therefore, he is obligated to live with her Kedarkai and cannot use it against her in their marriage. Going further to the bottom of Kuf Tes Amir Aleph, we come to the fourth Machlekes between Anmain and the Chachamim. And the case of the Mishnah is the Ayur al-Asada, someone who complains on a field, he says that the field belongs to him, 
and the person in the field stole it from him. However, he is a witness, he is a signed witness on the Shtar Mechira. The case is as follows. Ruvain says that the field that Shimon is living in is stolen. It really belongs to him. And Shimon has a document that Levi sold it to him. However, Ruvain says that Levi never owned it. Levi stole it from him and sold it to Shimon. So if Ruvain's signature is on that Shtar Mechira, on the field that Levi sold to Shimon, so we have a Machlekes Amon and the Chachamim. The Chachamim hold Ibed as Zechuso, he has given up his Chus to the field. The Rishayim explain, Rashi, other Rishayim, that by signing the Shtar, that's a clear admission that the field does not belong to him, and the field belongs to Shimon, because otherwise he would have never signed this Shtar Mechira. However, Amon says, he could say, Hasheni Nayach Varishan Kasha Himeno. He could say that really he was not signing because the field belonged to Levi and belongs to Shimon, but rather he wanted it to get to Shimon's hand because he felt it would be easier to get the field away from Shimon than it would have been to get away from Levi. This seems to be a good svara. What's up shot in the Chachamim? Why the Chacham hold Ibed as a chuso? Why can't he say that it would be better for me to be in Shimon's hands than Levi's hands. Let's say Levi is a more powerful person than Shimon. Nonetheless, Tysus explains that a person would never ha- go ahead and do something which looks so much like he has no rights, he has no ownership on this field. The Mishnah ends off that in one case, both the Chachamim and Admin agree that he loses his Zechus, and that's a case of Asa Simen La'acher. This field that the debate is about was not the field that was being sold. A field next to it was being sold. And this field that was in question was used as a sign, as an indicator as to the location of the field that was being sold. So for example, it said in the Shtar that this field, which is next to the field of Shimon, which was under question. And we have a Machlekes Rishayim here in the practical case. Rashi learns the Muchsak, Shimon, the one who's holding on to the field, is the one that used this field as a sign. So Shimon is selling the field that's next to the field. That's under question. And Reuben signed on the Shtar that said that Shimon is selling the field which is next to the field that belongs to him as well. And since he signed on the Shtar, that uses this field that he claims is his as a border, as an, as an indicator, as to the location, and it says the field that belongs to Shimon, and he signs on that star. So that's a raya that it belongs, that does not belong to him. And in this case, we don't have the svara of Asheni Noachli, Barish and Kashaymana, because this is not the field that is being sold. The other Rishayim, the Ramban, Taisvis, and Amabez, learns that the Mishnah is going on the Ma'ayrer. Asa Simulacher means the person that claims that the field belongs to him uses this field as an indicator when he sells the field that's next to the field. And again, we have the same Sarah, the fact that he is selling the field next to it and writes in the Shtar that he's selling the field that's next to the field of Shemain, 
when he claims the field really belongs to him, that's a sign that's Ebed as Zechusite. The Ramban, the Ritva say that even though in Pshat they hold not like Rashi, but Ladina, there's no Mach like yes. And Ladina, everyone would agree that in both these cases, Ebed as Zechusa, he loses his Zechus. This Machlaikas is going to play a role in how we explain the Gemara on Ahmed Beis, where Abayi says, That's only if he sold it to somebody else. But if he sold it to him, he does not lose his chas. Who's the somebody else and who is the him? So according to Rashi, that learns we're talking about where the Muxak is selling the field. So Abayi is saying, our Mishnah only applies if the Muxak sold it to somebody else. He sold it to a different person. And Ruvain, who claims the field is his, is signed on the Shtar. However, if the Muxak is selling, if Shimon is selling the field to Ruvain himself, Shimon selling the field that's next to the field that Ruvain claims is really his, so then he does not give up his chas, because the reason why he was quiet, the reason why he didn't say anything about the fact that the Shtar wrote that this is the field that's next to Shimon's field, even though he claims that's really his field, is because if he would protest about that, then Shimon may not sell him the field that's next to this field. So therefore he kept quiet. However, according to Ramban and Taisvis, they learned that the Mishnah is going on the Ma'irer, that the Ma'irer, Ruvain is complaining, he's the one that's selling the field next to it. So then what Abayi is saying is like this, It only applies if the Ma'irer is selling it to somebody else. Meaning, if Ruvain, whose claims the field is his, is selling the field next to it to Shimon, so because he's selling the field to Shimon, the one that claims the field is his, so therefore he doesn't want to start up because Shimon may not buy the field if he writes that it's a field that's next to his field. So in order that Shimon should buy the field next door, he writes it's the field that's next to Shimon's field, even though it's really his field. And therefore, la'ibet as the chusay. Going further on Kuf Tesla Mabez, the Umar brings a ma'isa with a person that had made a simen la'acher, thereby would be forfeiting his chus on the field. And he passed away. And the apachapis came, the caretaker of the field came in front of Abai. And Abai told him, tough luck. We learned in the Mishnah, asa simen la'acher, ibed as the chusay. This Apachapis was very wise, and the Apachapis said, if the father of the Yisayimim was alive, he would taina tlem echad asisi lecha, that it was only one row that I admitted belonged to you. When I signed as a witness, the way Rashi learns, that when he signed as a witness on this star that had this field as a border, it was only referring to the edge to the one row that belonged to the other person however the rest of the field really belonged to him Abaye agrees with his claim and he brings down from Rabbi Yechanan that says that such a claim is accepted and then Abaye turns to him and says okay but at least give him that row that row you have to admit belongs to him and the Gemara says that there was a row of trees palm trees on this on this row of the field and he didn't want to give it up and he said 
that if the father would have been alive, he would have said that he bought it back afterwards, after he admitted, after he had signed that star, he bought it back. And Abai once again agrees with based on a member of Rabbi Eichanan, that the person is believed afterwards to say he bought back the field. And Abai ends off the Gemara, Haiman de Mukim Apatrapa, somebody who has appoints an Apatrapis, Nukim ki hai di yadala fuke He should appoint such a wonderful Apatrapis that knows how to look for the Zechusim of the Yasaimim. The obvious Kash on this Gemara, which the Rishainim discuss, is why did Abaye need this Apatrapis to come with these claims and then validate them? Why didn't Abaye on his own suggest? Such claims as we have a cloud, Gmar Babasa, Aleph, and other places, Tainan Liyarish, that we Taina for a Yarish, we always Taina for the assignment because they don't know what happened with their father. We claim for them and try to offend on their behalf. So, how come over here we needed the Taina of the Apichapis? So, Taisus over here and the Rush as well, and one of his Terutsim answer that Abayi did not remember the words of Rabbi Yechanan, and that Pachapis reminded him of what Rabbi Yechanan said, and Enachanami, if Abayi would have remembered what Rabbi Yechanan had said, even without Pachapis saying anything, he would have come up with this taina for them. Another answer that the Rush gives over here is that even though we taina for the Yairish, where there's an Pachapis, it's right, it's befitting that the judge waits until the Apachapis claims. We first give that Apachapis a chance to claim for the assignment. And the Karbanasana over here, Ice Yud, which is really based on the Ran B'Shem, the Rashba, that that's by an Apachapis that the father appointed. And since the Apachapis was appointed by the father, we wait to see if the Apachapis knows more about what happened with the field. And he has a definite claim as to what's going on. However, an Apachabas at Bezin appointed who doesn't really know what's going on, there there would be no need to wait. Tsarich Ian to me, in the Lashon of our Gemara, the Gemara says, Vishachiv, the person died, Vaukim Apachapa. And an Apachapas was established. It's Mashma that this caretaker only came around, was only appointed after the father passed away. One final Mahalich over here, Taisus Rid over here, as well as the Rush, really, Saiser, what he writes over here, the Rush in Chuvis Chlal, Pei, Vav, writes that we don't always taina for Yisaimim. In a case where the claim is not Shriach, is not common, and doesn't look honest, doesn't look real, then we do not tie for the assignment. And the Taisus Rid and the Rush both say that the claim that it was only one row that really was being referred to, it wasn't the entire field. And the claim that he bought it back after he admitted that it wasn't his, that is not so believable, doesn't look so MS, and therefore that claim is not a claim that Bezin would tie for the assignment. It's only if the Apachapis himself makes such a claim, then we would accept the claim like we would accept the claim from the father himself, like Rabbi Yechanan said.
I would just like to make a ha'ara that l'chayra, this mahalik of the Rosh and Taisis Rid would seem to be much more mistavra if this apotropis was claiming mitairas vadai. The apotropis was saying that he knows that the father only was admitting about one row or the fa- he knows that the father bought it back. However, the pashtus of the Lashon of the Gemara that the apotropis says, If the father of the Yisayim was alive, he would have claimed this. He would have claimed that the Pashtas is that it wasn't a Tainas Bari, which would mean, possibly according to the Russian Taisus Rid, that even though the Apachapas is only suggesting that the father may have said this, that for some reason is still stronger than Bezin coming on their own and making such a suggestion, making such a claim. Just one final ara for this year is Rabbi Yechanan said, that even after the person made a simon la'achar, if afterwards he claims, Chazarti v'lakachtiv imenu, I bought it back from him afterwards, Naman is going to be believed. And Rashi says over here, that this works based on the principle of Pesha Asar, who had Pesha Hitir. Then since he is the mouth that Asar, meaning we only knew in the first place that this field belonged to the other person based on his own admission, on his mouth, since he made it a simon for someone else. So therefore, if he himself comes and says he bought it back, he's going to believe, And all the Rishayim over here jump, Taisvis, the Ramban, the Ritva, that Pesha Asar, Pesha Hitter only works at the very same time that the Pesha Asar. For example, the case of the Mishnah, we learned earlier on Chaf Bez Amir Aleph, which is the classic case of Pesha Asar, Ha'isha Sha'amra Eishis Isha Yisi Ugrushani. A lady comes forth and says, I was married, but I was subsequently divorced. Nehmenes, she's believed. Pesha Asar, Pesha Hitir. So that's only where the lady comes and at the same time says she was married and was divorced. However, if a lady would come to Bezdin and say she was married, and then later on come to Bezdin and say, she got divorced. We would not believe her. So the Rishonim ask on Rashi, how can we say Pesha Asr over here since the person's coming later and saying that he bought back this field that he was moda on earlier? The truth of the matter is that this Shiloh, whether Pesha Asr works later on, is a Machlaikis Rishonim, which is brought in the tour in Evan Ezer, Simen Kufnun Beis. And the Torah brings the Shita of Rabbeinu Yaina, which these Rishayim seem to follow, that Pesha Asa Pesha Eter, where the lady comes and says that she was married and divorced, that's only Teich Kidei Dibar. But after Kidei Teich Kidei Dibar, we will not believe her. And then the Torah brings the Shita of the Ramah, that holds it doesn't have to be Teich Kidei Dibar, but it has to be that she's still discussing this Indian, she's still in front of us, discussing the matter. And the Torah himself writes, V'nir Ali, She'ein Sarach that I hold, you don't need either, and as long as she's not contradicting what that which she said earlier, she's not contradicting the fact that she was married, she's just adding that she was divorced afterwards. So, there we would still say, Pesha Asar, Pe Shehiter. So Lachora, the Pashtas is, that we can explain the sheet of Rashi 
based on the sheet of the tour that Pesha Asar Pesha Hitter works even later on. And this Mahalik in Rashi is actually found in the Shita earlier in the Masechda on Davchav Gimel Amad Aleph from the Sefer HaShlama that writes that in a case where a lady says she was taken captive and then later on comes and says Tahirani, that she is Tahira, that nothing happened, that she would be believed even though she's coming later on. And we see this from Rashi in our Sugya. This is what the Shita brings. What is the explanation behind this Machlekes Rishayim? Whether Pesha Asar works even later on. So, Rabbi Hanan in Kaivet Shurim, in our Masechta Ais Mem Gimel, suggests that this is Tali in a Shaila of what the Svara, what the Lamdas of Pesha Asar is. Is Pesha Asar Midin Migu? That since the person didn't have to say anything, and the person came forward and said, that she's an Eshesish, etc. So therefore, they have a Migu to be believed that she is Grusha as well, that she's divorced as well. Or is Pesha Asar a new Halacha, a new Din, that since this is the person that told us that they are Asar, it's only through their mouth, so they have a Kayach of Nemanis to be believed to be Matir as well. So Rabbi says, if we learn it's Midin Migu, that they didn't have to say anything, so that's a proof that they're telling the truth. That only makes sense to say that you're believed right away. However, to come later on and say that which you said earlier, that she was an Aishas Ish, now she says that I was divorced as well, now she no longer has the Migu. And as the Rishinim say, Migu Lamafreya Leyarminan, we don't say a Migu retroactively that you could have said something earlier. The Migu has to be right now. And Taka, if we look at Taisus over here, and the Ramban as well, they argue on Rashi and Arsagya, and write that Migu Lamafreya that we don't say Migu retroactively, we don't say Migu later on. However, Rashi can learn that Pesh Asar is not Midin Migu, and therefore it could work even later on. It's a special din, that since we only know that the lady is Asar, or we only know this field belongs to other person through his own admission. He has the power, even later on, to come and be matir, to come and undo that which he did. This Mahalik in Rashi over here, that Rashi holds Pesh Asar works even later on, as the Sefer Ashlama explained, is far from simple. Rav Shach in the Sefer Avi Ezri in Gerishin, Perik Yudbeis, Halacha Aleph, asks Amayr de Kakasha. He asks that even according to the Shita of the Rishayim that Pesha Asar, Pesha Hitter works later on, that's only in a case where the Pesha Hitter goes back to the time of the Pesha Asar. For example, the lady said she was an Ashes Ish, and then a month later she comes and says that when she said she was an Ashes Ish, she was saying that she's an Ish, she was an Ashes Ish, she was married, but she was divorced as well. And she's saying that she was divorced a month earlier when she said that she was an Ish, she was already divorced. And she really meant to say she was an Ish, and she was divorced. Or the case of where the lady says she was a Shvuya, she was taken captive. A month later she comes and says, 
I said I was taken captive, but I also was Tahira. So whatever she's saying now goes back and undoes what she said earlier. However, if a lady would come and say that I was divorced after the time I claimed I was an Eshesesh, I got divorced a month later. In such a case, the Pasha says no Rishayinim would hold that we would say Pesha Asar, Pesha Hitter, because since she said she was an Eshesesh then, and she remained an Eshesesh then, now later on she's coming with a, a new status. She's coming to uproot her status and say that she got divorced afterwards. In such a case, she would not be believed. So in our case, where the person was Maida, that the field did not belong to him, and now is coming later and saying that he bought it back. So he's not coming and undoing his original admission. He's coming and saying that something changed, that he bought it back. In such a case, Zakrav Shach, nobody should hold of Pesha Asar, Pesha Hittir, Mitzarach Ian. You have been listening to the Shurim of Shas Illuminated. Shas Illuminated is a non-profit organization dedicated to broadening the learning of those studying the Daf worldwide. If you would like to make a donation or to dedicate a daf or masechta, please visit our website at shasilluminated.org or call 203-312-SHAS. You can also email us at shasilluminated at gmail.com.